0: This episode of Bibliophiles is brought to you by The Bookening Podcast. Ever wonder why Shakespeare gave his wife his second best bed? Or why every high school boy should read Jane Austen? Then The Bookening is the Christian podcast about literature for you. It's fun, it's smart, and you might even learn a thing or two. Welcome to Bibliophiles, a production of the Center for Lit Podcast Network. In today's episode, the Center for Lit team continues its quest to discover the great ideas in books of every description, ancient classics to new bestsellers, epic poems to bedtime stories. We're glad you came along. We hope you find this discussion as provocative and inspiring as the books themselves. Want to join the great conversation? Stay tuned. You've come to the right place. Welcome back to Bibliophiles, everyone. Adam Andrews with you once again. Glad to be joined, as usual, by the Center for Lit crew, consisting of my wife, Missy. Hi. My son, Ian. What up? And my daughter-in-law, Emily. Hi. Hi. Good to hear you guys. Actually, we should probably let the Bibliophiles listeners know that we are actually seeing each other as well, though we are joining The meeting from remote locations, we're using the miracle of video conferencing so I can actually see all of your faces, which is like we're sitting in the same room and it does my heart good to see them. It's
1: also a dangerous proposition because you could be making some kind of serious point and one of the other members of the crew can make a funny face at you literally and make you lose your train of thought right in the middle.
0: We should try that today for sure.
2: Sliving this puppy up.
0: Well, I don't know if we're going to need a whole lot of help livening it up because we've got a great topic on schedule for today. It's the middle of winter here at Center for Lit headquarters in beautiful downtown Rice, Washington, the cultural (laughs) hub of the Northwest, we like to call it.
2: It's like sunny and beautiful and it's not like winter at all.
0: Yeah, but it is January. And so what I thought we'd do is discuss the topic of winter from a literary perspective and have a little confab on recommended books for wintertime reading. And so I want to know what the Center for Lit crew thinks that faithful bibliophiles listeners ought to be doing in their book selection activities here in the middle of winter. And I didn't get any more specific than that on purpose because there's obviously several ways you can go, right? Books that are cold is one way to go. Books that make you glad you're cold is another way to go. There's probably a million different takes we could take <laughs> on this question. And so I'm going to quit talking now and just throw the, the, uh, the doors wide open. Ian's now making a funny face at me already. We're only two <laughs> minutes in. Wintertime reading, my friends. What do you recommend?
3: I can tell you a story about what not to read.
0: Right. Let's, hear it. Let's begin that way. Go, Emily.
3: Well, so uh, Ian and I were traveling back to the Midwest to see my parents.
1: Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> and I love these opportunities because it's an opportunity to just grab something off of your shelf that you've been meaning to read for the plane. Um, and so, on my way out the door, it was—I put it off until the end, which was dumb. So I didn't get to consider it. So I just. Went down to my shelf and I grabbed Crime and Punishment and <laughs> got on the plane. And uh, the thing is, I really enjoyed reading. I had to read the Brothers Karamazov over a winter break once in school. And it was a pleasant experience. I mean, Russian literature, you're cozy, mm-hmm. you cozy up, you have a little bit of a dark Russian novel. It was great. But this time, okay, it started out fine. Like on the plane, <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I didn't actually read a ton of it over the visit at the Midwest. We were busy stuffing our face with cookies and putting together puzzles and stuff like that. Um, and I read a little bit on the way back and then, so, but now I'm like hundred pages into a 500 page novel. So now this is the book that I'm reading now.
0: This Not is going to be back. the rest of your winter okay. now.
3: Right. And then, when Ian and I got back, the first thing that happened is we got a terrible stomach flu. We
1: that is one of the great understatements <laughs> of the century. Listen, dear listener, I will spare you the gory details, but suffice it to say that I am a grown man with a home and a wife and responsibilities that come to grown, grown men. And I, in the car on my way to urgent care... <laughs> wept i wept like a small child
2: i think i remember you saying something to the nurse like i want my mommy i
1: literally want i walked in the front door of urgent care and she looked at me and she said honey are you okay and i said do i look okay and she said no and i said i want my mom
0: <laughs> so what does this have to do emily with crime right. and punishment
3: well, it's a very long prelude to the fact that now this was the book that was on my shelf after, I, I mean, when I got to the point where I was able to read again, which took a second, but I was in bed and there's nothing else to do except for read. And the book on my shelf was Crime and Punishment. And it is, I don't know if, I mean, I know you have read it. We, mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, but I don't know if our listeners have, but it is a very claustrophobic, sickly kind of book. In fact, mm-hmm. Raskolnikov is constantly sick. Oh, you're and right. I hadn't thought about that. Sick is, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> so, bringing it all up again. And yes, and I felt very sick and very nauseous as I read the book. And so I would not recommend Crime and Punishment while you have the flu. If you've if got, got honestly, a
0: wintertime, wintertime flu. flu.
2: oh that's (laughs) terrible
0: i had no idea that's the tack you were going to take because i thought crime and punishment that's a great snuggle down and cozy up and pass the winter it's long it's difficult it'll take you till spring
2: yeah yeah i was kind of going on honestly i was going to recommend war and peace for that reason for that reason yeah yeah if you're if you're not in the thick of it i mean i know a lot of you guys are in the thick of it with kids and you're like are you kidding me i don't have time to read that but if you're um if you're in a different stage of life, and this part of winter for me, like this is the long slog, right? Uh-huh. This is the part where, or the holidays are through, you put it all away, and here you are left, as Auden would say, for the time being. For the time left being. The time being, you know, and it's a long slog to get to spring and anything green and good weather where you want to be outside. This is the perfect thing to do by the fire. Uh, you know, to kill in time, war and peace is very rewarding. And it's Russian. Again, I was thinking Russians too, Emily. It's a great place to go. I thought it was going to be great. And it it
3: might end up being great because I'm too stubborn to put it down, but I could not do it. It made me want to throw up all over again.
0: (laughs) Well, I didn't think about the fact that Raskolnikov really is physically ill, most of the time. He's nauseous even. I mean, he he has the flu most of the time. Oh, and
3: Dostoevsky is describing it in his great detailed
2: Russian (laughs) way. Thanks a lot.
0: (laughs) That is terrible. And the worst thing about that is it's ruining one of the great literary experiences of a person's life for you.
3: Well, I mean, I can... I'm outside of myself seeing that this is great and that this is going great places. But like in the moment, it was
0: horrible oh that's terrible how far and i'm th- too
3: stubborn to put it down well you'll you know, be I'm fine too stubborn then. to go pick another book once you started it you're in
0: <laughs> yeah are you how far through it are you emily
3: uh, at this point i'm like halfway
0: okay have you gotten to the part not to give anything away but have you gotten to the part where he sits in the police inspector's office yet
2: that's yes. where i quit
0: have you have you I been there that's when i was sick Yeah. oh see i can imagine <laughs> if you already feel bad that's that would just put you over the edge if you're well however oh man that's great stuff <laughs>
2: I don't know if I agree because I I've actually tried to read that book straight through twice. And hey mom. Hey mom,
1: you can't, yeah. you can't disagree with crime and punishment being awesome. <laughs> no, no, I
2: don't, I don't mean that. I mean to say, you know, he said that unless, it, unless you're sick, this is a great read. And sort of what I feel like is I've tried twice. And when I get to that point that you just mentioned in, in the, um, in the police station, I feel like being in that guy's head, um, you're right, it's extremely claustrophobic, makes you
0: sick even if you're not. Oh my god, well, it's supposed to be revolting. I mean, that's the whole idea.
2: I finally just, after a while, think, I don't want to live in your head anymore. You're, you're, you are really, um, you're disgusting me. I don't want to be in there anymore. I can't stand you.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, it that- didn't work for me. So it probably wouldn't work for you, Missy, at yes. any, any time of the year, winter, well, summer.
2: One of these days I need it to be an assignment and then I'll read it all the way through and I'll be glad I did because I love Dostoevsky and he says great stuff. So I'm sure that that's no exception.
0: It isn't. It's a detective novel, too. It's a mystery. It's a murder mystery. It's a detective story. Those are all perfect wintertime reads. You just have to not have the flu. That's what I think. I think Emily's right.
3: Okay, and so I'll give up the floor after this point. But so, would not recommend *Crime and Punishment*. Would recommend Robert Galbraith for detective novels.
2: Oh, oh, is that um, J.K.
3: Rowling? Yeah. What do you think With about? With a major caveat that there is content.
0: <laughs> what now? What's the title of this? We got novel? some content, Emily.
3: <laughs> uh, the first one is *The Cuckoo's Calling*. But I read her most recent one, which just came out a couple months ago, *Lethal White*. And. I had a great time. It's, it's easy reading. Don't you
1: know everything you need to know by the fact that it's called Lethal White?
3: Well, it's J.K. Rowling, so she's got you by the,
1: the collar, you know? Yep.
3: In the way that she only can.
1: Yep. I was actually going to recommend uh, or re-recommend Harry Potter as my wintertime read. Mm. For some similar reasons to you guys recommending The Great Russians, once you start the Harry Potter series, you have many many many, many happy hours ahead of you. but also all the books take place during the school year because it's about a school I, yeah. so they're all it's all wrapped up happily for me in this little ball of warm sharpened pencil smell and I, everything is school books and knapsacks and uh, crisp weather and there's just nothing nothing in the world like reading Harry Potter in the wintertime. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's an atmospheric thing. Because the Very winter is so. a particular atmosphere or it, it makes you long for a particular atmosphere, then an atmospheric novel is just the ticket.
1: Well, and I think also that there's enough of, there's, uh, there are enough of the books in a row that you can start in the fall. And it seems a little bit like fall, at least where I grew up, fall was always winter light version. It was like easing your way into winter. You know, the days were sometimes as bitterly cold as it was going to be by midwinter, but there was always some sun to help you along with that process. It didn't get gray and dark. It was always sunny, even though it was cold. And I feel like that's a great way to talk about the Harry Potter series. Your first couple couple of books are still aimed at little kids and they're sunny and happy. And even the villain ain't all that bad in this first couple of installments. And then as the winter goes along, buddy, does it get deeper and darker and Interesting. heavier? I love it. Mm-hmm. It's a fun, I think it's a fun series to tackle uh, mm-hmm. over the course of a school year.
2: The subject matter definitely matures right along with the yeah, characters. I, the I like that
0: about the Harry Potter series too. Anybody, um, I don't want to get too personal here among the Center for Lit crew, but does anybody struggle with depression during the winter? I mean, do you get the blues in January? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> did, Sometimes you, yeah. did you just reveal too much, Emily? Sorry. <laughs> No, it's
3: it's no secret. Emily <laughs> needs to go to a beach somewhere.
0: So here's the thing: for and, I, and I'm sure that's that a, that's a very common reaction. A couple of my friends uh, out here in the in extreme northeast Washington, at 49 degrees north latitude, where in the middle of January the sun starts setting at 2:30 p.m., um, really okay. struggle with having a good attitude about life in the winter. <laughs> and for those guys, I want to recommend P.G. Woodhouse. Fill in the blank. But Anything. in in particular, Coat of the Woosters, the the great classic about the cow creamer and the policeman's helmet, which if you <laughs> if you tend toward the doldrums in January will have you right on out into the the flat sunshine and the pure <laughs> mountain air of laughter and hilarity in a heartbeat. Are you guys it's true? You guys know what I mean, right? On code of the worship.
2: He he actually he likes to read in bed. And when he's reading um, his books, the whole bed like starts shaking with his laughter. Uh, I'll be reading something else and all of a sudden the bed just starts shaking. (laughs) Laughing again. Oh gosh.
0: (laughs) It's like having a beach, a summertime beach with you to have a a PG Woodhouse book. So I would definitely recommend that for January, Mm -hmm. February. A little, little lighter, you know? But here's another thing. Here's another idea. And I don't want to take anybody else's turn, but there's there's two ways to go, really, to get yourself through the winter. I, I, again, I'm riffing on this theme that sometimes the, the weather gets us down and we're trying to make it through. There's two ways to go. One is to uh, do things to get your mind off of it. And the other one is to hunker down and embrace it, right? Mm-hmm. Say, it's wintertime. It only comes around once a year and it has its glories, Right? There's something about the forbidding weather and the darkness and the fact that we're all shut in that we ought to just embrace as part of the warp and woof of life, part of the color of this existence that we have. Mm-hmm. So one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich.
1: Oh, buddy. Oh,
0: Don't you think? Cold and bleak. It's serious. It's difficult. It's depressing. It's cold. This recommendation
1: needs to come with a disclaimer, like a legal disclaimer. <laughs> if you struggle with seasonal depression,
2: this
3: will
1: not pick up Ivan Denisovich in the winter. Do you understand? I don't
2: know, I don't know though, because you can buy it in, in one way of thinking by one way of looking at it, you can imagine your own circumstances to be so much better than Ivan's. Yeah. And maybe it weird you think, Oh man, I got nothing to complain about because yeah. I'm not in the
0: gulag. <laughs> exactly. This is, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Ivan Denisovich is the Alexander Solzhenitsyn novel from the sixties about the um, concentration camp prisoner in early Soviet well, post-World War II Soviet Russia, who spends one day just trying to survive the Gulag. Right. And it's one of the most profound stirring statements against communism, against totalitarianism and for the triumph of the human spirit in the face of all that evil.
3: It is super triumphant, and so I feel like it could help you have a good attitude about difficult circumstances. In a similar way, for class, part of my class reading is The Hiding Place right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm actually finding it extremely encouraging because even though the situation is really dark, all of the quips that Corrie Ten Boom has and her father have are like, what I need to have written yeah. on all of my walls right now totally as I struggle building. with depression in the wintertime. That's yeah. what I was it's going
2: for. It's so deep. God's love mm-hmm. is not deeper still. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it makes you want to take off your shirt and go outside because it's not as cold as Ivan Denisovich has it. It's, this is yeah. balmy okay. by comparison. On the other hand, he triumphs in the end. By the end of the day, he says, it was almost a good day. And you know, for what it's worth, that's actually a triumph in this story. And so it's kind of uplifting. The human spirit will not be denied, cannot be dominated. And it's, it's encouraging for the dark days of winter. I would recommend it. Um, another disclaimer, though, on Ivan Denisovich, it's foul. Well, foul's the wrong word. It's brutal in a lot of different ways. There's violence. There's profanity. There's the underbelly of human existence. By design, obviously, one of Solzhenitsyn's great artistic touches. But you should know that's coming before you crack it open. Okay, that's not gonna get somebody all the way through the winter. We gotta have some more suggestions. Okay, okay, Who's okay, next?
2: Okay. How about um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier?
0: Have Ooh, you guys read it? Summarize.
2: Um, I don't wanna give really
0: Did you just tell her
1: to it. summarize the plot of a book? Yeah, I no, didn't I'm mean not that. That. <laughs> I'm not that.
2: But it's got- I um, realize I've made a okay, mistake. so main character is kind of a young adult woman who meets a guy on a vacation and falls in love. She doesn't know that much about him, except that he has this past where he's lost a wife. He's a widow. Um, She doesn't actually know much about it, but he, he marries her, takes her home to the place where he had lived with this other woman. Um, And then the story unfolds and it's full of mystery. And, you know, you're in this woman's head um, she's very insecure because she's the second lady of the house, and the first lady of the house, as everyone presents her, um, was perfect, perfect in every way, and from her own perspective, better than her. So it's, it's kind of her trying to kind of come of age and figure out who she is and deal with living in, in the shadow of the specter that is in the past, and it's, it's a bit of a mystery um psychological I thriller. Anything else. It's like a psychological drama in a romance and novel. is amazing. It's amazing. It's a great way um, to spend some hours in the winter evenings. What's it called um, again? It's called Rebecca.
0: Rebecca, Daphne. Daphne Maurier
2: Yeah. Well,
1: oh, that sounds great.
2: It's fun. It's fun. It's um they made a movie out of it that's not bad either, but don't see the movie first. Read the book. Do yourself a favor, read the book first it's worth it it's a good one
0: we're kind of um crisscrossing around some genres here this is a pretty good list so far there's some well, you know
2: you think in winter time it's dark just like you were saying it's dark maybe you just give yourself to it so you know murder mysteries and psychological dramas and all that really makes sense mm-hmm. i like it i like it the other thing i had on my list was um i you know I think winter, I think I want to read the Chronicles of Narnia again, because they begin, the first book begins in the winter, really? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I want to read that. That's it's awesome. And in the process of the story, there's the coming of spring, and that's a promising event that I look forward to with great anticipation right
0: now. Also, right now, it's winter, but never Christmas.
2: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's winter, it's cold, but there's not much snow. Mostly there's just ice and... ugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have another suggestion. Um, and this goes back to something Emily said at the beginning uh, about actually getting sick during the winter, and so that actually crossed crime and punishment off your list. I have kind of an opposite experience. I had pneumonia a couple of years ago, and in my convalescence, um, got into the habit of reading the Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens with a little cup of peppermint tea as I was um, getting better. And it was beyond past when I was really deathly ill. I was just still kind of weak and waiting to recover. And so I spent long afternoons, snuggled down in a blanket with a cup of peppermint tea and a wonderfully quintessentially Dickensian episodic story about a handful of brilliantly drawn characters traipsing about England, having atmospheric experiences in pubs and little towns and boroughs of the big city. And it was basically this big, long travelogue narrative with a story woven in about how the heroes of, the, of this little band of Pickwickians achieve their ends. And it was as much Dickens' atmosphere as a body can possibly take. And it came to me at a particular point in my life that just happened to be winter, That made it wonderfully atmospheric to the point that every time I take a sip of peppermint tea to this very day, I think of the Pickwick papers and in the middle of January, I think, you know what? Dickens would be just the ticket right about now.
3: I was actually awesome. going to say Dickens is on my to read list this winter because I A, I haven't read very much of it. And then Ian and I just finished that BBC miniseries, the Dickensian. Oh, we're in the middle of it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah, it is really great. And, and we finished it and it's excellent. And there are so many, I just realized how much Dickens I haven't read yet. And it, it whetted my appetite for some Dickens.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I have two, I have two recommendations that are completely out of left field. And I'm sitting over here examining what it is that I actually, the way I'm thinking about it, and maybe I shouldn't admit this on the air, is what would I like to go do as soon as we're done recording this podcast? What is it that I really want to go and do next? And what I would like to go and do next is read comics. Like comic books? Like comic books. And by comic books, I mean two very specific things. Firstly, the complete Calvin and Hobbes collection. (laughs) <laughs> yes. which for me is some of the great winter time reading ever mm-hmm. uh, and secondly the adventures of Tintin and I, I want to read them for two different reasons the Calvin and Hobbes one I think because my attention span gets shorter in the winter too I think I'm I'm a little bit restless and it's hard for me to sit down and really focus on something super long and so a uh, when the laugh lines come often about every three panels or four panels. It's a lot easier to digest and stay with the subject matter. Um, And so Calvin and Hobbes is just the ticket. It's a little bit deep and it's a little, it's observing some real things about life. It's doing so with a wry grin and a gentle pat on the back. And it's doing it in little teeny tiny 15 second bite size pieces Mm. and so sit down and read Calvin and Hobbes for exactly as long as you have the energy to focus and come back to it. And it will still be there and you won't have forgotten anything and It has these advantages over a long, intense novel if you are restless in the winter. Tintin, for a different set of reasons though, I remember Tintin from when I was a kid uh, being a delightful departure from my own circumstances because he's always going off to some location, some exotic place parts east somewhere. And, And so the illustrations are engrossing and the plots are unexpected and none of it's very difficult to wrap your head around.
0: I like that idea of having, rather than a, a long tome that's going to take you the rest of the season to finish, having a, a series of bite-sized chunks to um, get you through the season. And in that connection, I was thinking of recommending the Father Brown stories by G.K. Chesterton, oh, yeah. oh, which yeah, are yeah. are little short story format mysteries, you know, one sitting reads that have all the advantages, as, like you were saying, Ian, of Calvin and Hobbes, their they're bite size and their the episode wraps up nice and neat in a bow at the end and there's a problem solved and it's got a little mystery, but also at the same time it's got Chesterton's wonderful style and his taste for the metaphysical, his taste for the, the quasi theological, his taste for the the unexpected and for paradoxical situations and all the stuff that makes his, his writing so great, even in other genres when he's writing essays or when he's writing, you know, popular theology and that kind of stuff works its way into his short stories as well. The Father That's Brown awesome. stories are great, yeah.
2: If you want to go with short things, I think wintertime is a great time to read children's picture books myself for the same reason, Ian. I, I love the fact that I can sit down, I can digest them in one sitting and they recall all kinds of warm moments, snuggled up with you guys on the sofa when mm. you were little, which is just one of my favorite um, parenting memories. I loved our read a lot of times. So in the interest of recalling those moments, let me recommend Jane Yolen's Owl Moon. And also, um, there's one called um, Snowflake Bentley by Jacqueline Briggs Martin. I believe was her name. Um, Both of those are really fun. Do you remember that one?
1: I haven't thought of that in years. (laughs)
2: About the guy who managed to. It's it's actually. i think it's biography children's biography about um william bentley i guess his name was If I'm the guy I'm who figured out
0: how to photograph him. snowflakes but
2: yeah he's the first to ever photograph snowflakes um one of the main reasons we know that there are no two snowflakes alike and have been able to see the artistry of the snowflakes themselves so it's fascinating
1: okay what's the book i've been trying to remember this and can't pull it up what is the book where someone's the the main character of the story is a little kid whose grandfather used to be a vaudeville star, song and dance man. Song and dance man. Oh, I gotta go find dance? that. Yeah, that's a
2: good one. I haven't thought about that in years.
0: Song but. and dance man is famous for those wonderful
1: colored pencil.
0: I know illust- it's the illustrations,
1: illustrations yeah. that I can remember. I just couldn't remember what the title Steven,
2: was. Stephen, what's his name? Stephen Gamel.
0: Gamel? Uh, the the stories by Karen Ackerman,
2: yeah, but and who, Stephen
0: Gamble is the artist.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. He's the artist. It's a nineteen eighty
0: eight picture book. That's a wonderful. Yeah,
2: that one's a great one. And Owl Moon, obviously Jane Yolen. She's like the Hans Christian Andersen of American storytelling for mm-hmm. children. And Owl um, Moon is a beautiful story about. It's kind of a coming of age story. A little a little child is finally old enough to go owling with her father. And she's she or he we don't know. The child has watched um, their father take their brothers out owling. And now finally this one's old enough and it's their debut moment. They're gonna go out owling and they hope they can find an owl, but it's really cold outside and crisp and uh, scary out in the woods. And so they have to kind of govern themselves. Are they they really ready to go owling? Can they really have self-control? It's beautiful and very poetic. Um, The language, not just the artwork, but the language is so full of imagery um, it's a beautiful story to contemplate. Mm. It's a good one.
0: That's a handful of great picture books. I was going to suggest Owl Moon too. It's a, it's a very popular title here at Center for Lit as you doubtless know, but it's, um, a good one for winter for sure.
2: Yeah. Also, um, The Mitten by Jan Brett. If you guys don't know that one, that's fun.
0: Uh, do you remember it, Ian? I do actually. Yeah. Now That's that you mentioned all the animals in the forest get inside a mitten.
1: Is that what
2: his grandmother made them and um, all these animals find it and they start cramming in, crowding in. It's like, can one more, it's sort of like the clown car. <laughs> How many, animals we're going to
1: have, have to have this up? conversation again in a few years when it's time for me to buy all of these for my own collection.
2: <laughs> uh, it's a good one. And also um, Virginia Lee Burton's Katie and the big snow. That's a good winter time mm. read with kids. Katie is she's the same one that did Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel.
0: And the little house.
2: Yeah, and the little house, exactly. Even it's if it can't one. be done. Yeah. <laughs> Even okay. if it should be shop. <laughs> do you remember?
1: <laughs> oh, I do. And now
0: the whole world is going to know. And now the
2: whole world knows when Ian was little. He we found one of those PBS specials um, where they were doing Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel, and reading it aloud, and it had music and stuff set to it.
1: Are you going to really tell this whole story? Yes, she yeah, is. Yeah,
2: it's awesome. I love it. It's a great memory. He loved it so much, but he couldn't quite remember the lyrics, so he just sort of made them up, and he would sing, even if it it's be shop, do it anyway. It was awesome. <laughs> Dance around the house. <laughs> See, this is the reason to reread the children's picture books in the winter, because, you know, for parents, it just recalls all these fabulous... Well, now stories. you know
1: you've Hardcore. listened to Bibliophiles. The episode you've started with me saying, know. I'm a grown man, and ended <laughs> with my mother telling a story about me dancing <laughs> around the house in my underwear.
2: I, now you added your in, in your underwear and, and that's accurate. I wasn't
1: yeah. uh, it's so
0: good. I love it. So obviously here at center for lit, we're going to recommend picture books. We love them, but we've also suggested books from the list of the great classics. Uh, we've, we've got mysteries, we've got, um, fantasies, we've got young adult titles, we got a pretty good list of recommendations to get you through the winter. Anyone have any final thoughts? Any books that you wanted to mention that didn't get mentioned? Because I do. Go for it. I think you should read a John Le Carré spy novel this winter.
2: Oh, that's what you're reading Because
0: right now. I just discovered the wonder that is a John Le Carré spy novel. I had never read one before this winter.
3: I didn't realize that you had never read him.
0: No, I haven't. I haven't. I've seen a couple of movies slash television series adaptations. I saw the, the night manager, um, a couple of years ago with Tom Hiddleston and thought, wow, what a great story. And the, the television series version of it was, um, how do I say this? It was dolled up to be a traditional style spy thriller. And, uh, it looked and it, it felt and it watched like something I would expect a spy novel to look and feel and watch like. Um, and then I went to read The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. And I was amazed at how different his take on the genre is, than, different than I was expecting, and also different than the vibe I got from the, the TV miniseries of... Um, the night manager that i recently watched here's the way i would put it in a spy who came from in from the cold one gunshot is fired during the whole novel it's a spy novel with virtually no violence in it i mean there's violence implied but it's not a shoot 'em up of any kind hmm. the the dramatic suspense of the story and the the surprising turns at the end that resolve things in ways you weren't expecting are almost all psychological and circumstantial none of them are special effects vehicles you know there's there's no motorcycle jumps there's no helicopter races <laughs> there's there's no jewel thieves there's no daring do there's it's it's totally other than that
3: do you know that you jumped into the middle of a series
0: Yes, I do George know that. Smiley. Yes, okay, it's the George I Smiley read series.
3: Smiley's people, which is the end of it, right? And I was wondering if it was part of the same series, and it is. It is, yeah. It
0: George Smiley actually has the um, uh, a minor role in this one. It's sort of the end of his career, where he's not really uh, the main actor anymore. But the the novels, I think, stand alone a little bit. There was nothing missing, even though I hadn't ever read another George Smiley novel. Nothing missing from this one at all. Um, But you get, it's really an interesting commentary on human nature under stress and human nature in a situation where identity is constructed and something that you use as a tool and the strain that that puts on uh, a person. Not to mention the profound political statements that the author was making in the time in which he wrote, which was, um, you know, during the Cold War, and he's making statements about east and west and the difference between politics and morality and he's making all kinds of, of interesting comments about those themes but the, the thing i loved it most about it was i was totally unprepared for how non-circusy it was and it was hmm. fascinating and engrossing for that reason so i'd recommend it john le carre in general and a spy who the spy who came in from the cold in particular
1: sweet that sounds awesome
0: yeah i'm reading another one now i'm reading a perfect spy now which is um, the Spy Who came in from the cold is fairly short, uh, um, 180 pages, 200 pages. It's a short read, and I thought, wow, this is really neat. I'll read the one that everybody considers his best, and I just bought it on Amazon for my Kindle or whatever, and didn't know how long it was. It's 700 pages long, so I'm probably gonna. It's probably gonna last me through the winter, which makes it a perfect subject for today's podcast. Awesome. What do you think, uh, Missy? You want to read John Lee Carré with me?
2: Yeah, I might want to. Okay. Yeah, we used to read Agatha Christie's together, remember?
0: Oh, yeah. We take think...
2: turns reading to each other. That's awesome.
0: You know what you, no, could, you could do is, in it. is read um, in the, on the coldest day of the year, you could read Death on the Nile.
2: That's a good the idea. The warmest
0: of all Agatha Christie books. Are we done? You guys have any other suggestions?
2: I was going to say that this week what I read was um, Charles Darwin. That was my stimulating read of the week. I, I wonder. Probably a lot of the people that listen to this podcast um, are homeschool families, and so a lot of the things that you end up reading are not things that you go pick off, up off the shelf out of um, uh, uh, and a desire to entertain yourself, but it's stuff that <laughs> to prepare to teach your kids. And so I'm looking forward to having a little more free time to read just whatever my you know whatever strikes my fancy. But this like week I was Origin reading- of Species. This week, I was reading Origin of Species, yeah.
3: Well, that I was, was going to say that, is that it does feel like it's new. This is a new stage of life for me because when I was a student, it used to be in the wintertime, you were reading serious works. And then in the summertime, you were free and could read whatever you wanted. Right. But now, as a teacher, I'm trying to keep up with my reading in the wintertime. And so when I do have a free moment, I want it to be something light. And when it gets to be summertime, that's when I... Mm -hmm. can turn to some serious works that I want for my own academic development.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm.
3: So I tend to read my fun books in the winter now.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Mm. I mostly I just, um, I read my fun books for 10 minutes before I fall asleep at night. It
0: used to be 10, (laughs) now it's eight.
2: Yeah, more and more. But next year, next year is coming. (laughs) It will be my first year, my first year with an empty nest, which is going to be, what will I do with myself? I will have so much time because there won't be, Um, any of those things that I'm preparing for besides just the normal stuff that we do online. I wouldn't
3: open yourself up to that. I'm sure our listeners have lots of ideas (laughs) of what you could do with your free time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds kind of fun. I'd love to hear it.
0: If you have any ideas to that effect, you know where to send them. Speaking of which, we're going to adjourn this episode of Bibliophiles. I'd like to thank the Center for Lit crew for joining me. Thanks for your suggestions, guys. I haven't read half of what you've suggested, so maybe I need to go get to work. But at any rate... If you're interested in other things we might have had to say in the past about literature and life, please go check out the rest of the Bibliophile series on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. I also want to invite you to come by the website, if you have a mind, centerforlit.com. We're always doing something new for readers and teachers and parents and students and friends, and we'd be happy to share with you what's going on. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, everyone. Until we meet again, happy reading.
2: Happy
0: reading.
1: Happy reading.
0: Bibliophiles is a production of the Center for Lit Podcast Network. Find new episodes each month on the web at centerforlit dot com, where you'll discover dozens of resources to equip and inspire you to participate in the great conversation, including the Pelican Society, a membership program for folks who love the Center for Lit approach to all things literary. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, happy reading, everyone.